today's show, I have Ron New, who is making a lot of waves with his latest album, Introduction to Retro Funk. He's got a great song, 17 Days, with a very provocative music video. We're going to talk about both those things and hopefully see what's going on with the music scene in Seattle. So welcome to the show, Ranu. Thank you for having me. Hey, before we talk about the music now, tell me, um, where are you from and where are you living now? Well, I say that I'm halfway from Seattle and then the other half from Atlanta. I grew up in Seattle and then I moved down to Atlanta and spent a lot of time down there. Nice. And it sounds like you still embrace you know, a little bit of West Coast, almost East Coast. Atlanta's not quite, you know, East Coast, but it sounds like you're kind of balancing the two sounds from, you know, both sides of the country. Um, I think it's a mixture of just of everywhere, you know. Um, Minneapolis, we're doing a lot of Minneapolis um, music, their sound on my project. Well, that makes sense because, you know, we all know, you know, Minneapolis, the Prince sound of the 80s, you know, it sounds like you're really embracing, you know, 80s funk, 80s R&B. You know, what would you say, you know, your main influences on the new album are? Um, um this album particularly, um, as I said, the Minneapolis sound, um, Prince, um, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, Andre Simone, but also Rick James is a huge influence for me, Cameo, and then you hit it on the nail, I'm a, I'm obsessed with the 80s sound. So I, I use a lot of that um, on this project. I'm glad you say Cameo because I really love their 80s stuff, you know, the word up. Because they were, you know, all the people you mentioned were great examples of crossover, you know, you know, funk to the pop chart crossover and where they really merged, you know, the best sensibilities of both. They did, yep. So what would you say, like, on 17 Days, now that's a cover of a Prince song? It is. It is, yeah. But when we went at it, when we tackled it, I knew I couldn't do it like Prince, right? And so my co-producer, who is Rock Fizzle, and he handles the music side of it, we decided that we were going to put the Ron new spin on it, you know? And if you listen to the original and compare it to ours, it's nothing the same besides the lyrics. Yeah. 
How important was it for you to put your own stamp on a song, you know, especially someone like Prince, you know, who is so iconic? Were you, I mean, were you a little afraid to approach, you know, someone who's so iconic like Prince? I wasn't afraid. I, I, I would have been afraid if I would have tried to do it like Prince, you know, because um, mm-hmm. artists like Prince, Michael Jackson, Whitney, Bruce Springsteen, they're one of a kind, you know, but I went into it saying I'm not going to do it like Prince, you know. Um, one of my inspirations is how the Fuji's 
did Killing Me Softly. You know, they didn't try to do it like Roberta Flack. They put their own spin on it. Well, in listening to it, I definitely hear, you know, your own unique voice coming through. So I, I think you really succeeded there. And I think even, like, took it a step further in one of the mixes. It was your groove is in the heart mix, which, you know, obviously a reference to D-Light. You know, groove is in the heart. Oh, you so did, it, it really is like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I like that. Immediately I thought, wow, because it brings you back to that era. Like, you know, when Groove in the Heart hit, that was end of the 80s going into the 90s, and it's still, you know, 30-some years later. I mean, it still sounds really fresh. Yeah, let me tell you how I, how, um, I got that idea. I was actually at a festival, and that song came on, and it's almost in the key um, of 17 Days, and I just started singing my version, too, and I was like, dang, this would be kind of dope. So I called up my co-producer, and I gave him the idea, and we went to the studio, and we tackled it. Well, you also worked, um, I think you featured Rock Fizzle. That's the co-producer. Rock Fizzle is my co-producer, and he does a lot of rap features on my um, project. Okay. So where do you record? I mean, is... So is Seattle your home base for recording? Do you travel for that? That's where uh, we where record. Did you... That's where we record. Rock um, has a studio um, in Seattle. It's called Future Front Productions, and so I do all my recording um, at his studio. Okay. And so you make a really good distinction I was reading um, online where you're saying, you know, you want to make the distinction that, you know, you're not a hip-hop artist, you know, you're you're a retro-funk, you're, you know, very R&B funk-based, but you made that distinction. Not you know, just, why is it important? Not just R... Not because... Okay, so I want to say not just R&B, pop also. Sure. There's a lot of pop influences in my album, too, and I don't never want to be... Um, put in that R&B box, because once you're put in that R&B box, it's a box you're in, you know. I want to reach the mm-hmm. masses. masses. My, um, as I said, um, my, my influences is Prince, Michael, Madonna, Whitney, um, Bruce Springsteen, and they all became superstars, you know. So I don't never want to be um, just put in that R&B box, as I said. And the reason why I stress now that I'm not a rapper and not a hip-hop artist, because for some reason, with a lot of my earlier reviews, they kept calling me a rapper <laughs> and kept saying it was oh, hip-hop. Wow. And although there are hip-hop influences, because I grew up in the hip-hop era, I'm not a rapper, and I'm not a hip-hop artist. You know, I'm a singer that mixes a lot of things with my music. Sure. That's an important distinction. What I'm wondering for, you know, going into 2020, you know, modern-day pop radio, who would you say are some current artists that, you know, if, if someone like that artist, they would get into your music? Who's like an entry point to your music today? Um, you Are you asking me who do I think that's out right now would listen to my music? Is that what you're asking me? Or like their fans would get into your music. I want all their fans, you know, like when um some of the um some of the platforms that I um when I'm, I'm registering my music to be on the platforms, you have to tag 
um, you have to tag some of the artists who, you know, um, you want their fan base to um, um, to come aboard your fan base, right? And so I do Taylor Swift, I do Adele, I do Nicki Minaj, Beyonce, um, Garth Brooks, you know. Um, like he's saying, I want that pop audience, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good that you know that because, you know, once you bring it out to the commercial world, everyone wants to peg you. Everyone wants to say, what's your genre? Who are you like? What are the challenges of establishing that entry point but still coming through as an individual? Well, I think that with being a black artist, they automatically want to put you in that R&B category. You know, sometimes when I see that Rihanna and Beyonce are nominated for awards, they're nominated for a lot of R&B. And Beyonce and Rihanna, they have far um, stopped being just R&B artists. They are pop artists, you know. So I think with my brand, starting from the beginning, I'm going to constantly keep saying I'm not an R&B artist. I'm not an R&B artist. Matter of fact, my next album that we're prepping right now is entitled Introduction to Retro Pop. Yes. Yep. Well, I like and that. And then the next album after Yep, and then the next album after that, and I'm already formulating it, I want to um, incorporate a lot of my Beatles influences, you know. So I, um, Prince is one of my main idols, and what I love about him is that he 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 did he would do his album and then say, okay, I'm going to go to a different sound, you know, and that's what I want to do with my music, you know. Do you remember one a few years back? I think it was on an award show, I think Kanye West was performing and then Paul McCartney performed with him. And and a lot of uh, mm-hmm. Kanye's younger fans were like, who's Paul McCartney? And people were just shocked. You know, how can you not know Paul McCartney? Do you think part of your mission with your younger fans is just to educate them on who some of your influences are? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And just like you, so one of the other reasons why I did this album is because I believe that when you turn on the radio, whether it's pop radio or whether it is R&B radio or you're listening to rap music, whatever genre um, now, pretty much everybody sounds the same. They're just they to me, they they're using a lot of computer-based stuff. You know, they sound like robots. And if you listen to our music, um, it's a lot of live instrumentation on it. So with the younger and that's what I respect about Bruno Mars. You know, Bruno Mars is um we're doing like a lot of the similar type style, you know, and so that's what I want to bring to the younger um audience is um that instrumentation, you know, um we don't use a lot of auto tune on our stuff. You know, I um I'm, I'm working on being able to perform I I I don't put a lot of effects on my voice because I want to be able to duplicate what I've done in the studio live, you know, and so that's what I really want to bring to the younger generation. Well, you won an award, and this was pretty impressive. It was Indie Shark Magazine's 2019 Album of the Year for Introduction to Retro Funk. How did that feel? Yes. Oh, my God. It was an amazing (laughs) feeling. Um, first of all, have, did you see the pictures of the award? 
You know, I did, but I can't remember what it looked like. Oh, well, it looks like it's a official award. You know, it looks like I went to the Grammys, the American Music Awards, or, or, or any the MTV Award and got presented an official award. So that's the first thing. I love the way it looked. And then I've heard that I was selected out of 3,000 applicants. So that was something special wow. to me. And just the fact, this is my first musical award. So you know your first of anything is usually special. So as I start racking up the other awards, this is going to be one of the awards that's going to be one of the special special ones to me. Well, congratulations. That's really impressive, especially knowing how many other people, you know, were in line for it. And along with it, you've Thank got you. a really great – oh, Absolutely. And you've got a really great video uh, to 17 Days. You know, how did that all come about? Um, so 17 Days, when I did it, I was really feeling it at that time. And so I wanted to um, put together a video. I don't I don't know if you looked at the correct cre- credits, but I directed and produced it, you know. And with my videos... I'm going back to, once again, the 80s and the 90s and the people who I respect, they have storylines to the video. Mm -hmm. So I um, wrote a treatment, um, scripted it out, and went to a college and got a few um, college kids, um, film majors, and we put the video together. I edited it myself. But with all my videos, I want to try, not want to try, I don't like to use try, um, I'm going to... um, make sure I have a storyline and do something different than what's out there. I'm not going to do the average video where you're in the club, you're driving in nice cars and you have the women just surrounded around you. I want to, um, I want to um, push boundaries with my video. And so that's what I um, did with 17 days. Well, even with the look of it, it kind of evokes an eighties video, almost like, you know, the ballads you would hear in the eighties. Like, um, well, you mentioned Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Remember uh, Alexander O'Neill and, like, the videos I he do. would put yeah. out? Kind of reminded me of that uh, a little you. bit. Thank you. So what's been the response to that? Um, where do you actually, you know, get rotation besides YouTube on your video? Pretty much YouTube, you know. Um, social media um, is where it's at right now. And I've um, garnered a lot of fans from around the world, and it's from social media, YouTube, Facebook, um, Instagram. Um, Social media have really changed the game. And I remember back in the 80s, you know, to get your video out there besides MTV, you know, there's like Night Flight, I remember, and, you know, all these, you know, Friday night, you'd have to wait all week just to see cool videos on the weekend. But you know now that we have twenty four, if you, you know, were signed to a major label, but so uh, once again, social media media have changed the game. You know, I'm charting on several different indie charts here in uh, abort, um, around the world, and it's the social media that I keep pushing to um, getting my stuff out there that I wouldn't be able to do it ten, twenty years ago. Absolutely, and it just it seems like. You have to be very entrepreneurial and very creative in your marketing nowadays. You know, what are what are some of the things that have been really effective for you lately just to get yourself out there to fans? Um, once again, it's the social media. A lot of my friends ask me 
They say, do you ever sleep? Because I'm constantly tweeting, constantly Facebooking, constantly Instagramming, <laughs> constantly tagging people, saying, share my stuff, share my stuff. And so um, those have been the ways that I've been able to get my brand out there. But my friends, like I say, they laugh at me all the time and be like, do you ever sleep? No, and when I try to sleep, <laughs> I can't sleep. You know, I'm always thinking about either creating something or what's the next step to take. Right. Well, I know a lot of uh, musicians nowadays use social media just to connect, to collaborate. Or, you know, you might get a remixer who finds you online and says, hey, I would love to work with you. You know, what are some of those Absolutely. connections you made? Um, have you heard my song, Why is the Third Cut with Fig Figures? Yes. I actually met him online. Um, I was doing an internet. I have at the time I had an internet radio station, and he was one of the artists um, that I was playing their music. And um, um, I needed him on a remix, and I was like, "Hey, you want to get on this remix?" He's like, "Cool." And so I sent him the track. He knocked it out, and just like four or five songs um, later, you know, we've um, I've known each other on the line um, internet wise three years ago, and we just met in December physically. He happened to be up here when I was um, presented the, um, the Album of the Year Award, and that was the first time we met. But however, it seemed like we have known each other for years. You know, he's like my little brother. He's one of the um, people. Um, I've also met this incredible soul singer named um, Esquire, no, Jay, Jay Squire, We've never physically met, but he's on a lot of my collab, on some of my remixes and collaborations. So, as you said, um, the internet is it's a powerful tool right now, and I'm able to produce these people um, via phone. You know, never meet them, but I get on the phone and we go back and forth on what I want on the track that I send to them. Who would be your dream collaboration right now? Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, The Revolution. Um, I want to get Kelly Rowland on the track. I'd love to do something with Lady Gaga. But, um, of course, like I said, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Oh, also, so Babyface and um, Smokey Robinson are my favorite lyricists of all time. You know, I feel like they, they, they write incredible stuff. And so... I have a dream of um, Smokey and Babyface getting together and um, writing lyrics for a song of me and then Babyface producing it. And usually I'm at the helm of all my productions, but with Babyface, I would say, just guide me. Tell me what to do. Wow. Well, you're picking some people at the top of their game. It sounds like you're aiming high with everything that you're doing. He's always got to aim high. You know, so you know, you be my freak is my single out right now. What do you think about? What do you think about be your freak? Well, number one, I love the title because I think just you know when you think of the eighties, <laughs> it's not it's not just super freak, but I think right away that title just brings you back. I think to when you talk about retro funk. You know, I you know, there's so many songs that had that. It wasn't there even, um, you know, I don't want to be a freak, but I can't help myself. 
you know, and stuff yeah. like that, late 70s, early 80s. That I think right away that takes you back to that. But I think also, too, is that, you know, even more club-oriented, like, you you know, you really want to get people up and dancing with that song. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's the thing when you want to talk about pure pop, pop radio and just pop in general nowadays is so receptive to dance music, you know, more than ever. Right. So it sounds like, you know, no matter what you're doing, and even, you know, if if you're remixing it, um, you still have to have an eye on the dance floor on your albums. You know, so many cuts I think people expect. They want some really good dance numbers. Yeah, if if you so when I release a song, I usually have four different remixes of them, and with my remixes, it's usually different, completely different from um, the original. And um, what I do is I go to the club sometimes, and I just sit back and I just watch um, when the DJ switch the songs and the songs that the people react to. I get a, that's one of the things I get a high off of. So then I come back. To the studio, and I tell my co-producer when we're doing our remix that I want to do a song with this type of vibe to it, you know. In Atlanta, so I'm curious because I'm still, you know, in the greater Seattle area. In Atlanta, what is, you know, state of the art in the clubs now? You know, what's happening at the clubs there? Oh, and this is one of the reasons why I love Atlanta is because Atlanta has, like, it's not just one thing. You know, you can go to one club, it could be a hip-hop club. You can go to another club, it could be a house dance club. You can go to another club, um, it's R&B. So it's not one thing. And then they all, all the clubs got, like, completely different um, crowd that frequents the club, you know. And so I love that. Another thing that I love about Atlanta and New York because I've been doing New York a lot lately too, is both places really support their local artists. So Mm -hmm. when you're in New York or Atlanta, you hear their local artist stuff like a year or two years before it becomes mainstream. Wow, that's nice. Even more so than Seattle, you think they support their local artists? Oh, absolutely. I think so Seattle radio stations don't support local artists, you know, up until and 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 so we have a huge R&B and hip hop pop scene up here with amazing amazing artists, right? But they won't get on the radio stations up here. Um I think the yeah. last time they really supported their um their artists was when we had that big grunge surge and then the only hip hop yeah. person that made it out of here was was Sir Mix-a-Lot, you know, but there's been so many more great artists or as great artists as Sir Mix-a-Lot, you know, they haven't got that push. So I don't really feel like the radio stations support it. Now, there's an underground scene where you can go to different clubs and and and, and, and you can see who's hot in the underground up here, but not the radios. Mm-hmm. When, when you go down to Atlanta and you go down to New York, you're hearing the local artists on the mainstream radio stations. Wow, that's really but great. But that's I one mean, of the things was... I want to try to do. I want to try to open, I'm going to open the doors and get myself out there and then start pulling a lot of the other great artists like the Tiffany Wilsons, the Felicia Loud, um, Black Stacks, um, Lizzie, so many, many great R&B 
hip hop artists that I want to help get out there. Absolutely. Well, we're going to wrap up in a little bit, not quite yet, but before we do, I at least want to make sure that everyone knows where to find you, learn more about you, and where they can buy your music. Okay, so I'd make it simple. Any You can go to Google and put in R-O-N-N-U-E. That's my name, Ranu, R-O-N-N-U-E, and every of my social platforms will come up. But even if you don't want to Google it, if you want to find me on Twitter, put in R-O-N-N-U-E, Instagram, R-O-N-N-U-E, Facebook, R-O-N-N-U-E, Ranu, and, you know, everything I'm on will pop up. To get my album, if you want to buy um, it physically or get the MP3s, I suggest that you go to CD Baby and put in mm-hmm. Introduction to Retro Funk or, once again, Ranu, and my product will come up. Um, if you want to stream it, you can stream it on any platform that you stream it on. Either put in my name or put in Introduction to Retro Funk or any of the singles. So it's pretty easy to find me if you know how to spell my name correctly. Well, if I gave a personal recommendation, I would say start with 17 Days, Groove is in the Heart mix, because that'll just get you up and dancing. It's great. Well, the, the last thing I want to ask you and kind of, you know, to sum everything up, you know, what really is compelling is I think you wanting to preserve, you know, the music you love, you know, from the 80s, the retro, and, and make, you know, your own stamp on it. So I'm just saying... Well, that's what I'm on right now. That's what I'm on right now is the retro 80s stuff, right? But the next stuff is going to be pop, um, introduction to retro pop, and it's not just going to be 80s. And as I said, next thing I'm going to do is like my Beatle influences. So right now I'm just on that 80s funk. So when you get to like the Beatles influence, what is the one Beatles song you would most like to cover yourself? I'm not going to cover any of their songs, but what I want to do is take when they were on their uh, psychedelic um, phase, and I want to um, incorporate some of the psychedelic um, sounds that they use and some of my music, some of the um, the harp stuff they use, um, some of the electric um, piano stuff, a lot of the guitar work influences. Um, when Prince did Around the World in a Day, he was on, mm-hmm. I heard he was listening to a lot of Beatles, you know. So I want to incorporate some of their ideas, but then take it and do it the way Ranu would do it. So are you working on some new writing? Are you a pretty prolific songwriter? Um, Writing comes to me like when I go to sleep, when I wake up, when I walk in on the street. So that's easy for me. Um we're almost done with the introduction to retro um, pop record. And now I'm thinking about um, what I'm going to do with the Beatles sounding record, you know, but uh, we have like about 50 songs in the can. My cousin and I, who is my co-producer, Rock Fizzle, we, we knock out songs pretty quickly. Well, that's one thing you're going to have in common with Prince is this vault huge vault of unreleased music at some point because he he was really prolific too. Well, hopefully I won't have it unreleased. I want to get my music out there. And Prince wanted his music out there, but he had to um, 
record company that was um, 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 holding him back from doing that. But we're in a whole different time, right? So I want to get when I get it done, get it out there, get it out there, get it out there. And the record companies at the time felt like that if you get it out there too quickly, that you oversaturate um, the market and your audience wouldn't be able to uh, keep up with that. But we're in a whole different time, and the key, the kids want music quickly, you know. So I think I'm in the right time where I can get my projects done, put them out there, move to the next phase. Well, I hear the confidence in your voice. I know you're going to get it all out there. I really like your music. I really encourage people to hear it, and I just really anticipate a lot of success for you in 2020. Uh, thank you so much, Kelly. I appreciate the, the positivity, and I receive it.
Yo, I'm 